Power Athlete Nation. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. In this episode, I sit down with one of my mentors and friends, Mike Hill. Mike's got an awesome story in his coaching journey, which we explore a little bit in this conversation. And I thought he'd be the perfect candidate to discuss one of the books I just finished reading, Halftime by Bob Buford. I'm 35 years old and began my coaching journey part in part with Mike at Georgetown University. And he's now been there for 18 years and looking at all different options. He's have a young family and seeing what he can still continue to find value in coaching or explore different opportunities to really scratch that creative itch. So within this, we explore the, the book Halftime and as well as where we are in our careers and seeing what's out there. Coaches, you certainly do need a mentor. I've made it an objective of mine to reach out to my mentors from all over annually and bring them into the fold onto this podcast, Power Athlete Radio. And this is one of those episodes I've been waiting for a long time to get after. Mike Hill is a great man. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. Ready, ready. Power Athlete Nation, what is happening? I am joined with longtime pal and the Associate Athletic Director for Georgetown University Strength and Conditioning and Head Basketball Performance Coach, Mike Hill, legend in the game. Getting a little gray in that beard, dude. It is. uh, Wisdom is growing, is growing. I'm getting smarter (laughs) and wiser. It is. uh, My my daughter is uh, looking. She was looking at my hair the other night. She's like, you're getting some whites up top here. And I'm like, yeah, you're thanks. I'm right. You're damn right. I am. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. the I saw a meme like the life cycle of a man believes in Santa, doesn't believe in Santa, convince your kids to believe in Santa looks like Santa mm-hmm. uh, or acts like Santa Gandalf. looks like Gandalf. Hey, going for Gandalf. It's a little bit more. It's a myth. They're both ethical, right? I had to choose one. I'd probably choose Gandalf. Well, I, I appreciate that as you were once the, the Gandalf to the young Frodo coach McQuilkin entering the <laughs> collegiate strength and conditioning game. <laughs> That could go a lot of different directions with that. Yeah, Easy. Well, no, this is a PG show, my friend. And what I wanted to reconnect with you, uh, as we always get together around Christmas time when I, I visit the Virginia area and uh, see my sister aim to connect through either a workout at the Georgetown or at least grab something to, uh, to have some good conversations over and catch up on Hill's Book Club, made famous by... License to Hill Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It actually, uh, you know, you know, it's so crazy is, uh, uh, you know, my mom, my mom would probably cry. When I was younger, I, I, it took me a very long time to read. And now the other half of my life now, it's almost like I read too much and I ingest too much and I need to start, to be honest, writing something for myself. So um, but you know, it, and that's kind of the power of Instagram too. I'm not really the strength coach that's putting quote my athletes out there or putting pictures and exercises and all sorts of stuff out there. It's just, to be honest, it's just not me. And so, uh, I wanted to still stay active in social media because it's not going out anywhere anytime soon. And so, you know, what, what do I do that's routine for me? And it's really, I read one to two books per week. Um, sometimes it goes slower. Sometimes it goes faster than that. Um, I usually pick out, 
you know, my fall reading, my, uh, my spring reading, my summer reading. And I've been doing that for a very long time. Um, I used to be early in the strength game. It was the journals, the monthly journals that came in, but to be honest, nothing against the NSCA or anything like that, but all those journals, most of the time, the study's inconclusive. They didn't have enough, uh, they didn't have enough, uh, uh, test subjects or they proved what they wanted to prove, but really with little to no significance. Um, and so I kind of got this uh, enchanted with a lot of strength books. And so I started moving out into farther different things and broadening my scope. Um, and it's gotten to a little bit to the left and a little bit to, to the right. Um, but I'm always I'm always reading three at one time. And it's usually a bathroom reader, which is pretty, pretty simple, easy, you know, 100 deadly skills, something like that. Um, a strength and conditioning book or like a leadership type book here at work and then uh, some type of a leisure reading book and that's my nighttime book to kind of down regulate myself and that's what I hold myself to as the 20 pages or at least one or two chapters per night to kind of down regulate and uh, really fall asleep because I was a night owl as a strength coach um, and uh, waking up early in the morning and I was burning at both ends and it just you know it kind of formed hills Built club out of out of uh, just my habits and just wanting to give back and just show people what I was doing. Yeah, and that's that's a beautiful thing. And part of the conversation we're getting in, into today is that life cycle of the coach. In the beginning, all of your readings, you are obsessed with the X's and O's, and this and everything is is a wow knowledge bomb moment that just goes off for you. Even though it was written 30, 20, 40, however many years ago. It's your first exposure to it. And um, yeah, man, that's that's awesome. I always appreciate it. And then when I can, I send a book your way. One yeah. I talk often about on this podcast, uh, about the NBA players, that 10 years they allowed the high schoolers in there. Fit, finishing that book, I loved it because I was like my heyday as an NBA fan. Um, and then sending it up to you and you knew yep. some of those guys, which is pretty cool in that book. Yeah. 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 It's, it's crazy. They, they, uh, uh, quoted a coach Kirby who went around and, uh, and was recruiting, uh, a young man who, who didn't really do too well, but he's actually on staff here. But, uh, oh. most of the guys, you know, uh, that, uh, yeah, that whole recruiting thing and, and, and all that basketball stuff in the league getting younger and younger and younger. Um, uh, that was a great book as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's that a great book. That one in particular was Boys Among Men. And yep. the big takeaway that I had that still hold on to is when they allowed these high schoolers to step in, like the 12th man on the bench, they were gone. So they're risking it on an 18-year-old kid, but you're cutting the 30, 32, 35-year-old vet that then was essentially mentoring all these young guys on how yep. to be a professional athlete. And one one person in the book, I forget who it was, was – essentially quoted as like that, that decade set the NBA back another decade because they didn't, there's this generation that didn't learn how to be a pro. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what, you know, you know, strength and conditioning, you know, I think every profession mm -hmm. needs that, all that, you know, um, uh, you know, the other book going that with that is, is the art of impossible that you sent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great. Great book, learning about the zone and the flow and all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, every, I guess everything in this book, too, translates to sports, I mean, and to teams, how teams run, how people work together, um, you know, 
And that's what, uh, you know, strength and conditioning, I think, is you have, everyone has that mentor, has that person that got them into this, got them in their, their foot into the door. Um, and then they have, I think, their, their first half mentor, but then they realize they need to take their own counsel and then they get their second half mentor. And so I think there, there's life stages with that as a strength coach as well. Yeah. And what Mike's alluding to, the, the Hills Book Club that we're highlighting today, this was a recommendation from Donnie Mabe, had Donnie Mabe on Power Athlete Radio and Rapping, and he brought this up. And following that conversation, purchased this book and then immediately hit up Mike to, hey, man, let's sit down and let's rap about this. And then book is Halftime by Mr. Bob Buford. And we're looking at 20th anniversary edition. So this has been been uh, essentially a battle-tested book, and I couldn't help as a strength coach find parallels in my coach's journey and career in realizing as 35 individual myself approaching my halftime and evolution and a lot of my, my career conversations Mike has been a part of. So I wanted to revisit some of those old conversations, dive into this book a little bit, and then help use Coach Hill's perspective as he's grown not only as a, a person, a man, but also a leader within Georgetown, rising from an intern into head basketball strength and conditioning coach and into the athletic director arena. That is a path that is, I feel, rare in that industry, especially with a single school. Yeah, it's it's uh, it is definitely rare, and and uh, you know, I and to be honest, I I would like to say I set out and I planned for all of that, um, and I did, but I didn't plan to be at one school this long. I actually, as I, the advice that I got was, you need to have one foot in, but also one foot out. You need to have be hundred percent in, but also looking for other jobs at the same time. Now Georgetown was a, a school where there was only one strength coach here before I got here, so it was a unique situation. And uh, getting, I guess, my career path, I had a ton of no's. Uh, absolutely, uh, you know, however many millions, millions, thousands, hundreds of, of, of no's and emails and, and all sorts of things um, for tons of different jobs. But this job was the one that I saw the best path for me for the next five years. And that's what I took. Um, I was just thinking, you know, I, I just need to get a job. I just need to work with this sport. I just need to get to this. Um, but after, you know, that five years and, and being here this long, it was like, okay, let's put some roots down here. Let's move to this next job. This is the basketball job that I do want. Um, had the opportunity to have this, but in the rest of those titles just came with hard work, just came the director position, the assistant uh, athletic director, and now the associate athletic director position. Um, and so, and it's interesting, this book that, uh, that uh, Chris, brought up is me being 42 years old, um, you know, seeing that, am I, you know, trying to identify where I, where I'm at, you know, is it my, still my first half or am I at halftime or am I transitioning into my second half already? Um, and, and the crazy part, me in thinking about this and reading this book and taking, you know, copious amounts of notes and highlighting and, and, and really, these the books that I'm normally reading at nighttime is I'm highlighting I'm taking some notes but uh, you know I'm try trying to get when I, when I'm reading 
trying to get my thoughts. I'm not a big meditator, but just get my thoughts focused. And then sometimes a little intuition will pop up. I mean, I'll write down my notes for the book club, um, which just comes to mind, but I'll just pull my little yellow tabs out. I think of reading the art of intel, uh, the art of intelligence or, you know, test gods or another book or halftime, you know, something else will just pop up completely unrelated to this book that I will just write down. Um, and that's what I've one side note enjoyed about a lot of books. And this one actually brought a lot of those. Um, just what do I need to do? Uh, you know, little tidbits and things that need to move me forward in life. Um, things I need to take a step back and look at. Um, and, and, you know, then going through the book, a lot of that stuff was presented in the book. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, you know, the book was, you know, written in the 1990s. Um, like, like Chris said by Bob Buford and, uh, you know, perfect for the time of the baby boomers of people taking one job, but also probably something that their parents did or that was in their lineage, you know, because way back in the day, everyone, you know, you were going to be a uh, blacksmith, you were going to be a farmer, you're going to be this, um, and my parents' generation, you know, you're going to take a path of this. Uh, being a teacher or being an accountant or being whatever that path would be, you're going to be a lawyer. Now uh, the, the, you know, the population is presented with so many things to do. It's almost like you need to take one or two bad jobs to actually find out your good job. And so this book very relevant for that time period and still relevant now because there's even more options and there's even more things and people are being forced to do things that they really don't enjoy. Um, and I'm very actually fortunate that I've been here this long to wrap that back is been here this long to stay here for now 18 years. And I think for me, I think I am in my halftime. I think if I'm at the top of my game, uh, to use a, a reference from this book, um, the sigmoid curve is mm-hmm. if you take a, a, a look at the uh, curve that goes from your A to B, if you're at the top of your curve, if I would stay here, maybe you know, 20 years, just like in coaching, there's, there's a life cycle of coaching, you know, there's an overstep of coaching. Have I stayed here one too many years too long, or do I still have seven more years? The key is from this book, that was a huge thing for me was to find out where you're at with that and then switch that and not necessarily switch jobs, but like in the book, it says, switch your attitude about it or switch your direction to it. Um, you know, I've been from, like Chris said, from a volunteer to a full-time intern, to a full-time, to a assistant, to a director, to an assistant athletic director, to an associate, um, you know, and luckily those stages have kind of changed with that attitude. But now what do I see for the next five years or 10 years? Um, and I, that's kind of how I kind of organize myself in general is, is, uh, I need to organize how, how I'm looking for the next five years is um, my quadrant system is, is basically on, on point with kind of this book. It's, it's, I need to be a lifelong learner. I need to be looking in retrospect at what did, what did I do behind me? What have I accomplished? What do I want to accomplish? Um, and, and to, I guess, highlight that is my, my four quadrants um, are my professional goals, what I want for myself professionally, um, my team goals, what do I want for my team, because if I'm the head coach, if I'm the example, what can I do for my, for my team? 
and then what kind of projects do I want to take on? Because we get all sorts of projects, R&Ds, obviously this podcast, certain things that to do, you know, there's so many things because our job crosses so many different boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my last one is self-improvement, which, uh, you know, is, is, is a lot to do with books, but I do a lot. I do take a lot of classes. Um, I do do a lot of continuing education seminars and things like that. So, um, you know, I, the, 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 I guess there was three different symbols for me that, that uh, came out, jumped out from the book. And, but that was a huge one. Um, this, I think I said that right. The sigmoid curve. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Let's to paint that picture for our audience. I want you to imagine like a, I guess a mountain peak and then that's curve number one. And then what they want to establish is rising up to the peak. There's a point A. There's this opportunity to be a little valley. So you reach not yet your summit, but below there's another path that begins the other curve up. And during that point A, take maybe a right down the mountain into a little valley, but still not all the way down to the low in the beginning, is when you start to take on a new skill, suck, be a fool, be not good, and get all of your stress of being the beginner out of the way as you're reaching your peak in your old or primary profession. So that way, when you're ready to, on the downfall of the slope on the opposite side of the peak of your curve one old profession, you've climbed out of that valley and you're on your way up for curve two. Um, So they take this model and apply it to your existing life path and career and not waiting before you're, you know, on the, on the way down of your opposite peak, your best to then take on a new task because it's still going to begin in in the Valley. Um, yeah, that was a big one that, uh, jumped out at me as well. And then I'm looking like coaching. Yes. But then writing, speaking, Mm -hmm. uh, getting creative, uh, audio outlets, now video outlets, um, all these different things, education, teaching, and a big one that took me probably a year here to really understand was mentorship. Like there's a lot of opportunity to provide direction as you saw yourself in that role for me, whether you realize it or not of mentorship. There's so many coaches out there just beginning their journey. We're finding these, uh, super training and science and practice and all these hardcore science exercise books that feel amazing that uh, are so old but so new to them that they need a guide to not necessarily go down that old drugged up Russian or uh, Bulgarian athlete route to understand that I'm working with a sailing team that just started with a barbell for the first time ever. Let's not go a little crazy with percentages, pal. Um, So that, yeah. And then and even with career, so mentoring people within their their career path, not just within the X's and O's and strength and conditioning, and helping them realize is coaching the career, or what do you like about coaching that then we can find in a better, safer, or position more suited for you as an individual. Power Athlete Nation, want to take one minute to remind you why Power Athlete is performance for the people. 
We love the garage shimmer. We love the athlete that is taking their performance into their own hands. We offer eight different strength and conditioning programs reverse engineered from common goals like getting jacked, becoming more athletic, or introducing the barbell for the first time. To learn which program is best for you, head to powerathletehq.com training. If you're an enthusiast, a parent, or professional coach, we also offer education. At academy.powerathletehq.com, learn the method to the madness, the Power Athlete methodology, and a hell of a lot more. Next up, shop.powerathletehq.com. Hoodies, tees, sweats, shorts, you name it, we got it, including posters. You put this up in your garage gym, you're staring at it underneath the bar, I guarantee that you're going to add 10% to your next rep max. And finally, you can check us out on YouTube. We're dropping movement demonstrations, going through our setup and execution of the finer movements found on all of our Power Athlete training programs and cutting clips of this podcast that you're listening to right now. So if you want to share in this experience with your lifting buddies, go ahead, seek out Power Athlete on YouTube. And now, back to the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I guess one, you know, when that, uh, that curve and that point, one outlet that, uh, you know, strength coaches have been taking is like, do I go professional? Do I go private? Mm-hmm. Um, do I go high school or now the other one that's in the past five, I would say 10 years, but five years, um, is tactical, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, for me being in this, in this field, I've thought about all of them have opportunities for all of them. Um, were they the right opportunities at the time? You know, I guess as Zen philosopher will say, you know, <laughs> I guess we'll see. Right. Um, but for me being this old, having a seven year old uh, now, you know, the book talked about uh, putting something in your box, like what is in not the movie seven, what's in the box, but what is in the box? Like, what am I putting in the box? Right. Uh and now it's kind of like family, family and time, uh, because my first half, I feel like I was just chasing and what the book referred to as everybody would know a rat race of chasing information and just trying to gain, 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 gain. Well, every strength coach knows that you're not gaining. You're not trying to gain uh, uh, money in this in this profession. You're really kind of trying to get, gain success and or significance and or the next job. Um and so for me, it was kind of, you know, trying to gain so much. And now it's kind of like, all right, take a step back. Let's slow down, you know. And so I feel like I am entering the first stages of my halftime, right? Um, even though I've only been here, I've been here for 18 years at one, at only one job, whereas some people, they may have had, you know, three or four strength coach jobs. And now they're figuring out, wow, you know what, this college thing, that's eh, not really worth it for me. I've been fired three times. Now I'm at this job. What should I do? Should I take a step away? Should I go private? Should I start my own business? Um, and so, yeah, that's, uh, I, I'm glad, you know, I got some good advice early from a, from a great strength coach in Augie Morelli, um, who was, and not necessarily in this terms, but have a plan A, plan B, plan C, and then an eject button, plan D, um, just in case for all of that stuff. So I've kind of been prepared uh, throughout my life for all of that, you know, um, and that's kind of why I created this system around myself, not only to uh, direct my my uh, 
kind of crazy all over mind, my chaotic uh, system of a mind, complex system of a mind, but also to channel my learning and to channel my own personal career and then just trying to teach that and help help others really. And really, you know, uh, 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 Neil Stroll, who passed away, who was a leadership coach here uh, at uh, Georgetown University, said anybody can be anybody else's coach. And for me, anybody can be anybody else's coach, but anybody can be anybody else's friend. Anyone can be anybody else's mentor. I've got people who are younger than me, like yourself. You're one person away from everybody that I would like to talk to in the strength world. So um, you know, take just as much as you took from me, I take from you. And I think that's, that's the, uh, uh, a good quality of a lifelong learner to me. Um, and so I've kind of taken that approach, that white belt kind of approach with everybody is, okay, let me show you how I did this. Let me give you my perspective on this and let me give you, uh, uh my, my mentor's pr- perspective. And then with this information, you make whatever informed decision that you want to do. Um, and I think, like, you know, this book just for me just highlighted a lot of the stuff that uh, even though it's halftime for me, um, again, coming up, it's it's just highlighted a lot of things that I've been thinking about, just put it into words on on paper. So, yeah, man, the uh, have you ever faced I mean, explain. Let's do this first uh, before I ask my question. Explain like the intern process on how many you see each year. And then to help give us a perspective of how many young coaches over the last 18 years that have had access to work alongside you. Wow. Uh, me being kind of the first one here, I kind of paved the, the path because there wasn't anything going on. There's work study. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot. Now we have volunteer interns pre COVID and then we're bringing all that stuff back, but uh, we have the volunteer um strength coaches or internship positions. We have the collegiate uh, internship positions. If you're taking, you know, a class at George Mason or somewhere else and you need three credits for your internship, coming here and taking that during the summer or one of the semesters. Um, and then we had the full-time internship that was through the CSCCA. So we would see roughly, I want to say between five and 10 per year and, and sometimes more than that. So being here 18 years, I mean, it's a lot of people who've gone through here. Um, so many people that I started making a master list and a PowerPoint together. And we had an Iron Hoyas kind of reunion uh, over COVID with everybody on Zoom. And uh, everybody got on there. And, you know, it was, I don't know, shoot, how many people? 70 some people were on there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, we, we've, we've also had many different program styles. So, oh, yeah. Tried to make it informal, tried to make it formal, tried to make it non-existent, tried to make it, hey, survival of the fittest, just show up, coach, do all that stuff. Um, but uh, now it's, it's uh, you know, these positions are now flipped over to part-time. Um, the So the part-time, the former interns positions are now part-time coaches. So they're going to have to eventually have a someone to mentor an internship Um person that's there underneath them and I think that's I think you know coaching you know athletes here it's it's uh it's kind of a stepping process where your athletes need to coach somebody else so they can understand the step that this coach is taking Mm -hmm. and for me it really wasn't until I started mentoring 
a lot of people that I figured out, wow, this is what this person was telling me in the beginning. Um, and I think if you get that out of the way in the beginning, I think, and, and, and teach the, those coaches through that process, um, I think it helps. I think it helps tremendously. Yeah. So the, leading to the question, like what are some, what's some observations or actual pushback that you've received from people that you've in good light aimed to mentor? Like they knew it all or that program doesn't work or thanks, but no thanks. Like what's some no, of the reactions that you've received over this time? No, I, I've definitely gotten all of those. I've also gotten that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to work with this team or I want to work with this team or I didn't come here to not do this. Or, you know, when, when you, I, I guess when you get that pushback, it's almost, you know, kind of like an athlete you cannot for me you can't battle it you have to meet the person where they're at and then kind of hold them along the way um if somebody knows too much if they know if they come to you and and uh, they've read all the books and read all this stuff and done all that that it's almost like you have to meet them where they're out and compound them with even more information to kind of stimulate them a little bit and then steer them in the direction that you want to go if somebody doesn't know anything um, you know, you got to do the same exact thing. You got to kind of start small with them. But I think, you know, I've had the luxury of having the experience of seeing so much. It's kind of like you're either going to organically work yourself in here or you're going to organically work yourself out. And am I going to be this deciding factor? Probably not. But, uh, you know, you know, someday you'll figure it out. You know, and I've kind of taken kind of that approach is like, remember this conversation, because one day going to have the same conversation with somebody that you are working for or working with so yeah the man I reflect a lot about my my time at at georgetown university and um in the in the beginning i i feel i found it at the appropriate time and since this and i presented on this to uh d1 summit you know the gyms like d1 mm -hmm. training yeah they, they had an annual summit down here in austin i was fortunate enough to uh to present and it was in the midst of reading this book and brought a lot of the, the pieces into it and the life cycle of the coach, uh, how it pl essentially played out. And I was presenting to these individuals and aiming for them to realize where they were at this moment. And then here, here is your next step according to my journey, but beginning as a trainer, essentially just behavior, motivation, Hey, let's try this. And you're going to be pulling people, along very difficult and eventually and it's often one-on-one eventually then if you choose to you progress into coach more of a more of a passionate you're speaking you're now working with groups and it's not just hand holding it's a cue here a direction here you set an athlete up or group up and then you set them free and from coach hopefully you evolve into teaching meaning you're, you're, or excuse me, creating. So I'm creating my own program rather than running the, the Georgetown women's lacrosse program for coach Hill. Now I'm creating my own program for my teams and, or creating content. I'm creating blogs. I'm creating podcasts. I'm creating something that is, is giving my ethos, my pathos, my logos, my experience, my passion, or the fundamental components of strength and conditioning X's and O's that I've learned from 
another source. So a lot of different pieces there. Then from creating, you take on a, a teaching role. So this is, and now I've created this, this programming, I'm going to teach it to other people. I'm going to uh, stand at or apply to stand at NCA regional events and, and speak and communicate on my experience in an effort to, to teach. Um, then from teaching, which I was alluding to earlier, leads into this mentorship. Now, instead of a broad external teaching on a presentation, okay, who reached out following that presentation that I can help guide and lead them through whatever challenges they're facing and accelerate their development as a coach to far exceed my current uh, position, you know, stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, so I, I felt good about that presentation and pulled from the book, but trainer, coach, uh, create, uh, teach, and mentor. Uh, then the big conclusion within for the D1 guys was identifying like your why, what's in your box, what's keeping you here. It's sure, maybe it is. I'm not going to criticize anyone, but the X's and O's, the sets and the reps, I hope that's not all the whole reason you're coaching is the, like the science and the the said principle. So encourage like the, the D1 because um, they have high turnover as well. Meaning like this is a, a franchise. They got career coaches in there. And it's a great opportunity to work your way up in their model. And coaches are spending a couple years there and then taking their shot back at college strength and conditioning coaching, which is a ringer all in itself. And if you're away from that for two years, good luck getting back in. So how to encourage those trainers, coaches, and people in attendance, okay, why do you even want to be in this profession? Does D1 opportunity, like present an opportunity for you to check what's in the box and expand and, and build and grow a life for yourself? So that was a, a cool presentation and journey and, and timely book to assist in um, aiming to help mentor those trainers and coaches and where they were, you know, maybe they didn't want to be franchise owners. Cool. Well, what do you want to do and how can we guide them? Um, so did reference uh, a Hill experience within that when I was on my, uh, on my coaching phase, some coaching conversations and uh, to represent our conversation in the, the slideshow presentation Got a picture of Will Farrell and Cal from Talladega Nights, just like rocking Powerade and Old Spice leather jackets and just having a conversation over KFC and pizza and Coca-Cola. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, I, and then I referenced women's lacrosse on purpose because it was that that hard conversation where Coach Ricky Freed came down the weight room, you know, looking for me, but was away and he had to have a conversation with you to then have a conversation with me. And then, you know, you have to, to own your mistake at that point and realize yeah. I, unfortunately, um, and never forget it. The quote from you is like, like, uh, it's your team. It's your team to lose. So yeah. had lost the opportunity to work with the team based off of poor communication and, um, you know, choice of, the programming provided for the team didn't necessarily fit their personality. It was me forcing what I enjoyed into their current training. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it takes opportunity to fail, to then have the reflection, to then grow as an individual, but you no. make a decision to reflect. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that's, you know, what, what we've tried to do here is in what Augie did. And he said it once was he's created that shell and I needed to continue that shell for coaches to be able to fail and be able to show them the guardrails left and right. You know, there was another rule was if I have to have, if I'm in a conversation about your actions, then I'm the head strength coach. You need to own, own all that up. If I'm having conversations about your actions, then there's a problem. Um, or if they need to bring me in to convince somebody of their team, to convince a coach that their team needs to do X, Y, or Z, then you're not doing a good job convincing that coach, no matter what, or take a different angle on it. Um, you know, for admin things, yes. But if you're trying to convince your team not to do a conditioning test, that's your job. We pay you to do that. You, that's the price of admission. If, you know, your coach doesn't want to go overhead. All right. Well, I don't need to be the closer because I'm not I'm not winning anything. This isn't a D1 training. We're not going to get, you know, five hundred dollars more sessions if I convince your coach that we're going to do this. Right. You need to convince it so you can get buy in from that coach so you can organically work yourself in. Um, and, uh, you know, in that like another thing, it another symbol, because I feel like I, I uh I resonate very strongly with symbols is the part of the book is the pouring in and pouring out. Um, and that's like, you know, gaining experiences of the two spirals where the spiral is pointing in and ends, you know, it's trying to gain, 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 as I said, but then later on you try and spit out the knowledge. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I see some, somebody struggling with that. Or, you know, like you said, the challenges that are brought towards me and I just give them my advice. I don't want to be the guy coming in and telling, you know, giving, telling them what they should do. It's like you need to gain those experiences because none of them are unique. And if you need to, if you make a choice to go left or go right, it should be your choice. It shouldn't be, well, Coach Hill says, you know, we can't do the this test or do this because, you know, that's just Georgetown rules. Um no, it should be. Do you believe in it? Okay, good. Well, I do too. Go do it. Right. Um, and that was, I remember the conversation, you know, uh, when, when you came and the certifications that you had and at the time it was like, Hey, well, you know, you need to get your NSCA just so you can do the NCAA, but in reality, you don't really need it. You just need to present to me that you know what you're doing and you know, you have the knowledge base behind you. And then if you believe in whatever system it is, great. Just make sure your team believes in it. Um, And really that comes down to it's your team to lose. Um, And so, you know, I guess, I guess with that, for me, I've, I've, uh, you know, some people have left, some people have stayed, some people don't like that. Some people like rigid systems, Um, you know, but I came in and uh, you know, I thought I knew everything and, and knew all the, you know, science and, and, and practical application behind that. But I was, I was humbled pretty quickly with coach Augie Morelli and uh, you know, he didn't force anything really on me. And so for me seeing that and being a part of that, I don't want to do that to anybody else. Um, And so just taking my experiences and passing that on down. um, But I think the, uh, 
the first half of gaining and, and, and pouring in, and then the second half of pouring out, I think with that per se, I think I'm pouring out. Um, I'm at that time where I'm, I'm, I've gained experience. I've gained those situations. And so I'm just trying to pour out and give advice in that, in that type of a in coach mentor internship um, or assistant coach relationship. Well, it, I mean, this is the, the beauty of the, the quadrant system that you set up and that you're still, you're still pouring in to yourself. I can't imagine every coach out there takes the same approach and, or maybe just feels that they're, they're masters of their domain and you're seeking other things out there to then essentially give to yourself. And then how, I mean, a number of possibilities that I'm aware of and connections to cool people and opportunities based off you diving into certain books that are not even associated with strength and conditioning or sparks fun conversations with yeah. some fools at Summerstrong that just by happenstance are connected to the material in which you are diving <laughs> into for no reason, like yeah. the vibrations. I don't still on a vibration kick. Uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit. Um, you know, I guess I kind of flurry by all my, all my books and uh, kind of stack them all up and into, you know, stuff that's far out there, like the vibrational stuff or like, uh, you know, military, I shouldn't say self-help books, but, you, you know, get the kind of system. And then when I pick for uh, the fall and the spring, I kind of grab from each pile. So it's an array of books. Otherwise I've, I've spiraled down that, down that uh, rabbit hole of, of going down way too much and getting out there, you know, um, but uh, yeah, like I, th I think you're seeing all that, that stuff come on with Instagram and people are starting to talk about it within their speeches is uh, in seminars is, you know, the vibrational frequency of, of, uh, you know, tying that into strength coaches, are your athletes buying into what you're saying? Are they vibing on the same frequency? Are they in the same zone you are? When you're coaching, are they believing your system? Or are they not believing your system? It's the same thing. They're not on the right same frequency as you. It may not be exactly at 532 uh, megahertz, but it could be at, you know, maybe it's close. Maybe it's within a close range. For me, like reading those far left books kind of opens up other avenues of me understanding why I'm still doing this or things that I knew, like, uh, you know, when I I've said it, uh, uh, on a couple of podcasts is the book scale or verbal judo, those two books like scale just made me realize that there's complex systems around everywhere. Um, but you just have to see it right. Um, that, uh, Arthur, uh, uh, I'm going to butcher the quote, Arthur uh, Schopenheimer um, quote of uh, a talent hits a target that no one else can see, but genius hits a target that or talent hits a target that no one else can hit. Genius hits a target that, uh, that no one else can see. Hmm. Um, I believe that was Arthur Schopenheimer. And that's kind of like the scale thing of, wow, once you look at that and you see all these fractal patterns, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of wild what things stem from me being at Georgetown, I'm a fractal pattern. So I was an endpoint, a node and how many interns, as you alluded to earlier, came through and now where are they, they are sprawled out into this fractal, you know, broccoli of coaching around all over the place. Um, you know, verbal judo was a book where 
you start to recognize the back and forth. Like we're having a conversation back, you're asking questions forth. But if we were sitting here and me and you were just one up in each other on stories, like remember this time, well, remember this time, or I did this, or I know this person or name dropping back and forth, which, you know, we haven't, then, you know, there's a, there, there's a verbal boxing match going on. We're trying to fight back and forth, but verbal judo is kind of rolling with the punches. An old Irish cop wrote the book, um, how to, you know, kind of dissolve situations uh, with uh, your your words or your body language or your actions. And so books like that kind of open up, you know, a lot of different things, uh, you know, and perspectives that have tons of ties to coaching, um, you know, and uh, that I guess taking suggestions and, and me alluding to reading books and having some intuition and kind of writing it down that has something nothing to do with uh, with with what I'm reading or what I'm doing. Um, you know, a lot of these books, just like this halftime, it's not really a coincidence that you're telling me to do this right now. And this halftime is, is a book that I needed to read at that right time. Um, you know, everybody hates the person that goes around and tells them, hey, I'm reading this book at this time. And this is what this book, this is what I'm taking and kind of preaching that YouTube, that IG exercise, um, or that, you know, the, the, the telling everybody the book that they're currently reading, um, and all the quotes and quoting it from that, from that, uh, time frame. But, you know, uh, me just, just taking these suggestions in writing them down and just kind of, as I said, grabbing them as I'm selecting them for the fall and spring, I actually feel like I honestly read these books at the right time that I need them for me personally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and some of a lot of the stuff and the military stuff that I was reading is because I, I was, you know, thinking about going into the tactile setting. So I needed to understand, you know, a lot of the things that were happening um, and having conversations uh, uh, with the people and some of the, you know, the things that you said about the summer strong and, and whatnot. And, and uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, there's a weird vibrational thing that pulls me towards the books that I'm reading, I guess. Yeah. And at that right time, trying to recall, um, man, who's not Scott Caulfield, but who's Caulfield, the protagonist in that old book. Holden, Holden Caulfield. Okay. J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Shoot. like, did you read time. that one in high school? Yeah. A long time ago. And yeah. in high school, shoot in high, like shoot in high school. I, I mean, I, I'd be hard pressed to remember contents from books that I read during that time. I mean, I just kind of walked my way through and I actually walked my way through kind of college easy. And it's funny now, you know, me taking classes and things online, it's like, I'm super serious about it. Like I'm trying to get an A, which is like, you know, why did that happen or why did I do that at the time? I'm not sure. But now, you know, I, I've I've uh, tried to take that seriously with education um, and try yeah. to instill that with my kid and my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Part of my halftime thinking about going back to school, but to get back to the Holden Caulfield and the catcher in the rye, like there's certain it's written in such a depth that if you read it when you're a high schooler, because he's a 16 year old that enters into mm -hmm. like run-ins with a freaking like a pimp gets his ass beat and all these different like adult situations as a 16 year old you're supposed to read when you're 16 and then revisit uh the book at certain times of your life to realize like the depth 
and uh, the meaning. So it's almost revisiting, say, a book every every decade or a book every five years or absorbing it once when you're meant to and then having the information stored to really gain some depth when you revisit it later on. Like there's no reason we shouldn't consume everything that we can just so it this potential information is in our back pocket for when we do need it. Uh, I did go back and go through my old high school reading list or books that I still had. So that was um, F. Scott Fitzgerald, freaking Great Gatsby. This mm-hmm. this one here, Catcher in the Rye. And that was awesome. I mean, those are freaking yeah. classics. One, one book that sticks out for me was, it wasn't in high school, it was pre-high school, was in eighth grade. Uh, I read The Outsiders. Um, amazing book. Only seen the movie, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. <laughs> great book. Um, great book. And then obviously, and then seeing the movie later on, but just kind of understanding, you know, at that time, you know, now thinking back, uh, seeing the clicks and the, and the, the, uh, the, uh, the two sides of, of the uh, uh, community and how they kind of tussled together, but also how they came together. Um yeah, it's uh, I needed to hear that and re- or read that at that time. Um, but I think, you know, all the books in the books that I come forward. Um, yeah, just pulling little little tidbits each from and, the, and each from each book. But that's obviously that's what I'm trying to do with with that book club is put that out there. So maybe somebody sees that, you know, off the wall, left or right book, sees that I'm reading it. Um, and just reads a couple little quotes that I just trying to put in two quotes. I don't try and put, you know, a positive or a negative spin on it. Um, and then, you know, go from there. It's just kind of highlighting that because somebody obviously, you know, put a whole lot of work into each one of these, just like Bob put probably 20 years of experience and you read it. I read this book in four days, less than four days. And actually it took a little bit longer because I was taking notes on it. And so I read the first couple of chapters again. And, uh, you know, if it takes them 20 years to research it and you three days to read it, you know, they're deep diving that down and with that experience. And, you know, that's why books are so phenomenal for me now. It's just like, you, go ahead. Yeah. The, to, to expand on that, man, I've had that, that same feeling like uh, going back to the life cycle of a coach that I was mentioning earlier, trainer, coach, uh, teach. And then um, da, 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 mentors at the end. But anyway, um, the, the, the create, the create portion, like putting yourself out there and then say you have been coaching for five years, 10 years, and you taking that, maybe summing up one point that you're proud of, your light bulb moment, your knowledge bomb. And then there's a group that just reads it within – yeah, five seconds, consumes it, and then dismisses it or takes the time to publicly put you down and do all this. Like, they're still in that stage below. And they won't ever, because they're scared, like, won't ever put themselves in a position to create. So, like, in this life cycle of a coach, they've already capped themselves out. So, like, the appreciation, if I am seeing a post or if I am seeing... Uh, a book where someone put together an online course, whether it's strength and conditioning or the otherwise, like I'm well aware of the the time and the investment that put it out. So even if it is a, a 60 minute NSCA lecture, 
Like I, I, I have perspective of what led up to that. So I'm going to give them their 60 minutes and not poo poo them. Maybe I disagree with their point yeah. perspective. It still took a lot of them to get to that point and then even more so to package it up, to present it and then create that opportunity to speak wherever it may be. Yeah. So like, I get- yeah, what I, I just, I'm hating on the haters. Like even within music or any other art form in respect, man, I hate that song, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, what song have you written, my friend? And where yeah. can I listen to it to give you yeah. some shade, sir? Like two, uh, two ways, two things with that. One, you could take this book and he says it, Bob, like it, it talks a lot about God and Christianity talks a lot about money and I'm sure he answered a lot. This is, I had the second edition of this. So he answered a lot of the questions at the very end of this. You could easily say, well, he has tons of money and he had more options and more choices and things like that. But the nuggets that he's still talking about, they're still relevant, no matter what religion, no matter if you have money or no money, whether you have a good job or a bad job, you know, the, the things that he's talking about, like uh, listening to that gentle inner voice, right? Everybody hears that stuff. Um, you know, taking stock from within, doing seismic uh, readouts for yourself, you know, talking yeah. to different people. Um, there, there was lots of those little tidbits, but also on the other end of that is, I'll say this, a book I just read as well, is the legend uh, Jesse Wright for the 76ers. He read it, he wrote a book called The Intent is to Grow, and it is not a book that is uh, sets and reps, or it's not like uh, nothing gets the system. There's, it's not like a, uh, uh, you know, the books that you were you were talking about earlier, but it is a book about a young strength coach who goes to a school and goes through all these soft life skills. And there's there's kind of a uh, there's a good cop bad cop in there. There is uh, you know all the things that we kind of talked about organically growing in, organically going out, seeing what the strength coach does the right way or the wrong way. Um, and, uh, it was, it was an amazing book. You know, when I got it, I, I didn't, I originally didn't think it was going to go the direction that it did. And, uh, you know, Jesse was a great book and it took him a long time to do that. And it put it, put it through that. And I think every young strength coach or even personal trainer should read that book. And so the intent should grow. The intent is to grow. Um, yeah, I saw you post on this, um, through the Instagram. Yeah. And- yeah got a key in on it but that's awesome yeah i'm in um with this the the seismic i i thought that was uh an excellent point uh because the importance of like presenting your thoughts ideas beliefs or potential directions like potential goals potential aims to your friends to your peers and like you're you're gonna get and trusting people to receive honest feedback on, hey, man, I'm thinking about uh, doing this. Okay, well, why? That's a terrible idea. Something, something, something. Like you get constructive feedback uh, or maybe they've, they took that risk and they'll give you your, like where exactly they failed. So that way you can not make the mistake that your pal made uh, to go in there. And like, this is something I try to, uh, speak to to the the high schoolers I'm working with like trying to find something that really creates like this 
the like an earthquake moment for them. Like not just going through the motion and liking and enjoying what your peers are doing or reading or watching. Like what just freaking gives you a spark? And then, okay, I encourage them to explore that. So it's it's even if their peers are giving them a hard time, like, hell man, like what gives you energy? What's explore that a little bit. And um that that was one of the takeaways when I was keying in on that, like Okay, I'm going to speak to my goals, my aims, to my friends, and you know, see what perspective they have, and um, also like, you know, what do I enjoy, and let that present it to them, and let them put me down a little bit, but still like, all right, I'm going to see what else is out there. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, there was a lot of those uh, uh things you know the one section as well besides uh this it was seismic testing uh low cost probes going half speed at your at your work environment um but one thing that uh one section that had a lot of good things in it was uh the section on regaining control back which i think a lot of uh people in, in every profession you know, they, they kind of spin out of control and they, and they formulated the, how they formulated in the book was they called it a centrifuge, centrifugal, um, where you're just kind of spinning around in control. You got too many things going on. And a lot of the little things were, you know, that I learned later on and strength coaches need to learn how to do, you know, like delegating your tasks at work, um, do what's best, do, do what you do best and drop the rest, uh, know when to say no, set your limits, protect your personal time, uh, work with people you like, set timetables, downsize, play around a little and take the phone off the hook. Some of the simple things that kind of regain control, which everybody talks about. Um, but, you know, I resonated with that section because that's what I'm going through kind of right now is, is all of those, all of those uh, sections. And that just creates, you know, they call it in the book, just a healthy individual, um, and, you know, everyone's trying to grab a piece of kind of kind of that action with with uh, COVID and resetting some things and, you know, the timetable of your work and, and work life balance and all that stuff. So um, that was a great section for me. Well, what what action are you going to take based off of reading that section or the, the book in general? Really, all of those things, I just need to define all of them in general. Um, you know, I think delegating, um, uh, you know, check, kind of checking the boxes of each one of those, um, you know, and, and, and moving to the stage of protecting my personal time is the one that kind of resonated more with me. And because obviously every strength coach, they need their own personal time. You don't, you know, the 12 hour workday, um, but also seven, seven year old and a wife at home have 12 hour work days as well with me. So, uh, you know, that has become more and more apparent to me. And that's what I need to rope in more where, you know, I, I've got a lot of personal projects. I've got a lot of professional projects, my team goals, all that stuff that I said, my development, my self-improvement, um, that takes a lot of time too. So kind of struggling and protecting all of that. And that just comes with time for me, it's time management. It's, it's, uh, protecting that time. Feel we're all there, um, yeah, man. The uh, well, what's next on the book? Hill's book club. We got an intent. The intent is to grow. 
I'm certainly going to pick this one up, Mr. Wright. And, um, yeah, halftime. Done with that one. Just chuck it. Uh, what's, uh, what's next on the list for you? Well, actually, so, you know, I would be remiss if, you know, one of your listeners, listeners, uh, Jill Dunleavy, she sent me, uh, two copies. Uh, one, the first one was chasing the scream. And I would suggest if anybody hasn't read that, um, that's chasing the scream. It's by, I'm going to butcher his name. I think it's Johan, Johan Hari. And, uh, it's basically the, the, uh, the first and last days of the war on drugs, but the second one was wild horse country. Um, and it just talks about the wild horses roaming around the, the United States and, you know, what your misconceptions were, what you thought. Um, very good. Uh, very thought provoking. Um, and the third and, and actually, sorry, there's three of them. Uh, the third one was lost connections. And that's about, you know, uh, trying to figure out the root of, of depression. Um, and that's kind of, you know, through this, through mentoring and links and, you know, complex systems is, is, you know, Jill just, you know, sent me the books and, uh, um, yeah, that's, uh, it's amazing. So, um, but next on the list is, uh, kind of out there whiskey, tango, foxtrot. What the Um, fuck? (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, I'm not sure where I got this record. This is a perfect segue. I'm not sure where I got this recommended, um, but it got recommended somehow. And uh, yeah, it's about uh, Lynn Black Jr. Um, he was in Special Forces and it just kind of goes through his life story. Um, I'm not too far into it, so I don't really know. It kind of reads like a dialogue of, of a movie. So uh, yeah. Pretty awesome. Um, for me, from Callie's husband, let's see, on Wings of Eagles, it's apparently a true story based off of uh, Ross Perot hired a bunch of mercenaries to uh, to go take care of business on behalf of uh, some people in need because the, the U.S. government would not... Uh, go in, in for rescue. So that was one of the big, this moments, this, this swing caused him to like propel into popularity and eventually run for president in, um, I believe it was 94, but, um, so highly recommended by Callie's husband. So I'm going to dive into that one and he and I are going to take some steps towards writing our own screenplay on some fantastic adventure. I'm feeling of uh, taking one of my plots for movies and actually fleshing it out, which would be pretty fun. The uh, I, I have talked about it on this podcast, and the more public I make this, the better, because then you'll <laughs> it know it's happen. mine. Yeah. yeah. And the um, Essentially, Texas took all their gold reserves back from Fort Knox. So okay. I don't know how they transported all that, but there's a movie plot in there. All that gold is on trucks somewhere, and there's yeah. going to be some people that just get get the route and got to go steal it. So it's either I haven't decided which side I'm on of the the heist crew. All right, let's get the backdoor plan, or like the the former SEAL Team Six dudes that are hired to protect it. Yeah, I don't know. So. Um, 
yeah, Callie's husband's got some military experience. So bring some of that perspective in and then I'll just be the idea, man. Yeah. Uh, trying to uh, just not let it turn into the fast series. Do the best I can. <laughs> no, I think, you know, I've explored, like I said, I read in all these books and, you know, the goodwill hunting, uh, what, whatever blows your hair back, you know, that type of, what book should I read? But I think I need to be, uh, I think I need to be writing. So I actually have started to write. Um, there's nothing to, to promote or plug yet. Um, I've delved into writing movie, you know, movie screens, uh, scripts, and, uh, it's just, it's, it's kind of hard, but, uh, you know, it, it is a fun, you know, you learn something about yourself and, uh, through going through that and, and, uh, but, you know, I'm still, you know, with this book and with everything, I'm still, you know, going to sleep every night, just hoping that Jim Morrison and the weird naked Indian come to me <laughs> to kind of figure out like, uh, what am I doing with my life? Right. And, uh, hopefully it's not a, uh, uh, concert in Aurora, Illinois, but it's something, you know, that'll take me on that sigmoid, uh, curve to, to the left or to the right. Um, but, uh, you saw the yeah, naked Indian too. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Did, it was did really you weird. think it was, it was awfully weird how naked he was <laughs> unnecessary. Un it was, yeah. <laughs> it was unnecessary. That's what it is. But I always think about that when you, people ask you, and what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just kind of waiting for that to happen. Right. You're waiting for that, for that weird naked Indian to come to you. Um, but uh, hopefully the next time on the podcast, it's, it's promoting my book and uh, what I'm trying to do. So, uh, you know, it's, it's in, it's in, I'd let, it's in my fifth uh, draft, which is, you know, fifth draft is uh, still nothing much there. It's just kind of, I wanted to, it's kind of five dates, five significant dates that I've gone through, but it's still something it has to be, it's related to what I said earlier about symbols and how I resonate with symbols and how much meaning they have. And, you know, like your power athlete skull and all that stuff and branding and, and uh, like your guys' podcast with Harry a while ago and Callie and talking about what you guys wanted. And, you know, it's kind of speaking to this book to, I guess, tie it all together. It's kind of speaking to that. What do I want to, uh, you know, if I have success now, what to be significant, what do I want to, to, to do and to leave behind me, leave behind? Um, I think it is kind of a, a, a book um, like a Zen master for motorcycle uh, machinists or something like that. So, um, yeah. Have you done any research on that? Like the power of symbols? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely have. And, and I've gathered kind of my, my own just thoughts on what I think, you know, this in strength and conditioning or sports performance or human performance for that matter, what does this mean? You know mm -hmm. um, what, how, how do I convey that message and transcend it through time? Um, or just when you look at it, does it say everything from top to bottom? Um, and I guess just seeing, you know, being 18 years, I'd like to see, I've seen a few reps. I've seen a few sets. I've, you know, had written a few programs, had some experience. And so if I can see something and it points to this top of the pyramid and this bottom of the pyramid at the same exact time and has a relationship with, with a lot of different things, then, uh, you know, maybe somebody else can see it. So, boom. Well, always welcome, Mike. And I yeah. look forward to, I'll be up in a couple of weeks to, nice. yeah, man, hopefully uh, reconvene and explore some, the next book. I got to get on some of these you mentioned here, but yeah, there's, there's my winter reading list. 
where can our listeners go to follow the journey of the book club and then catch what uh, what's going on with your team and, and give them some some support from Power Athlete Nation? Yeah, I am on uh, Instagram at license underscore the number two underscore hill. Um, you know, DM me if you want any book suggestions, I guess. Uh, you know, look at uh, hashtag Hills Book Club. Um, but also, you know, we are at, uh, I'm at Georgetown University, guhoyas.com. Um, you know, my email could be in the show notes if you want. Um, but uh, email me if you need anything. Um, always looking to, to give back and, and obviously, you know, connection with through books and through all this information and whatnot. Um, happy to help anybody um, just here to uh, mentor and add value. So thank you for having me on, man. Appreciate Hell it. Oh, yeah. Uh, final question. Just reminded. Did you see the new James Bond? I have not. No. Okay. I will not say anything. <laughs> I have not. Awesome. <laughs> Charles has given me the look. We we share the same opinion on the film. I'll let uh, let everyone else just have their own, and then maybe in a few weeks we'll we'll kick back and hopefully you watch it by then. It's, I mean, you got to give Daniel Craig his. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right, nice. All right, I thanks, Mike. You. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!